Blog Talk Radio. Tune in to the hottest sports talk show. I've never had it so good sports radio. Join us weekdays at 7 p.m. Stories about players and coaches of all levels. We make it easy to talk sports. It's time for Never Had It So Good Sports Talk Radio. Tonight is happening in sports. This is our first hour, and the second hour we get the guys in here to talk about men's basketball and the NBA playoffs and, of course, the upcoming NBA draft. Let me get my co-host in here, Duck Riley. I want to give you a thank you, Duck, for the awesome programming from last night, the Mothers On, that first hour transfer portal, uh, moms of those who have been through the transfer portal, and then, of course, uh, Serena Fox, who had a son who was drafted in the NFL. Duck, thank you for that. That was pretty good. Uh, no problem, Princess. Look, that's what we do, Princess. That's what we do, and it was really, really good um, for sure. Let's welcome in our guests. I'm going to call out the last four of your number, 8006. Give us your name. Coach Ambrose, thanks for having me. Hey, Coach Ambrose. Awesome. Thank you for being on. Thank you for being on. One three four one. Give us your name. Uh, Lyndon Johnson. I hope everyone has a good evening. Hey, Coach, how are you, sir? <laughs> Mr. President, I'm doing well. Doing well. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. All right. One six nine one. Give us your name. Tommy Bowden. Thanks for having me on again. Hey, Coach Bowden. How are you? <laughs> oh, doing good. Thank you. All right. All right. Let me welcome in our co-hosts here. Tim Moore, how are you, sir? I'm overcoming. <laughs> uh, these, these, these Philadelphia 76ers are getting me on age. <laughs> That's the second hour, Tim, but we can go ahead and have a little intervention now if you need to. No, no, no. I, I'll, 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 I'll be okay. Okay. <laughs> go ahead, Doc. Uh, <laughs> I guys, I, I'm gonna kind of get away from the script a little bit. I want to uh, start with you, uh, Coach Ambrose. Mm. Job Morant, as a yeah. as a dad, as a dad or a parent, how, or even coach, how, how do you handle that? What advice? I mean, how how do we talk to this young man? <clears throat> well, that's a loaded question. It's Pretty broad perspective, Doc. Thanks. <clears throat> We're talking about the young man with the with the gun again, right? Yes. Yes, which, and we've even had a discussion about this in the past about <laughs> education. <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> well, both with the gun and the perspective of the whole world's watching. Um, to be honest, if it, I hate that it gets to this, but like when one time it's a teachable thing, but at that level with that big of a scope. Nothing's going to change until the person who creates the discipline for these situations draws a boundary. And when the and we're and whoever that is, they just go, okay, this is it. We don't want this happening anymore. Next time, you're gone. And it doesn't matter who it is. Now you have to now that's the that's the business aspect for the model and how they have to deal with the perspective per the NBA. <clears throat> I don't know how you do that when it's a legal 
gun, and as far as I know, he didn't do anything bad with it. It's just a picture. It's a it, it's a ridiculous situation to be in. To be honest, he should be, be he should be bigger than this. He should be better than this. And his bosses are telling him the exact same thing. And God knows, I hope his parents are. <clears throat> but nothing's going to change until we we create a boundary and don't let somebody cross it, and we hold them accountable. And then everybody will use that as an example for the future. Okay, uh, Tommy, same uh, question. Well, you, you know, I think the problem is, and, and uh, it was just brought up, there, if there's no boundaries, if there's no distinct rules and regulations, then you have to uh, you have to relate and, and go back and fall back on his character. I'm sure he's had the discussion about being a leader. He's a leader whether he likes it or not. He's an NBA player. Uh, if there's one word that signifies leadership, it's influence, and the influence he has. But I, I'm sure – that conversation has been had. He's chosen not to go that direction. I don't think there's any legal aspects to it. And uh, unfortunately, this is one of the greatest things about this country is, is freedom, freedom of expression, freedom of press, those type things. And uh, that's what he chooses to do. If there's no distinct boundaries, I think you, you're going to you're gonna have to eat it and, and, and let him go on with his life. Okay. Uh, Francis, uh, the parents – the mom and sister are just much involved in this as as Morant. Can you kind of share a little bit of insight on that? Yeah, Doug. You know they're from this area of Columbia, from Sumter, South Carolina. But part of the problem is the parents and the family. You know, when mom calls you to a basketball game that your daughter's at because someone said something wrong to her. And then here comes Job with the gun in his posse. I mean, what does that say? I think the whole family needs some intervention um, and some conversation. And and I agree with Coach Ambrose. Once you cross that line, there has to be some boundaries and then some consequences. And I hope that that comes now with the suspension, um, you know. But there needs to be um, some counseling maybe for the entire family um, and, and some reflection by John Moran his, himself. Um, because Coach Bowden said he's a leader. Whether you want to or not, you're a leader because you have influence. Um, and change your circle, John Moran. If your friends are, um, you know, think enough for you that all they want to do is brag and say, hey, I know John Moran, let's go Instagram live, um, then change your circle. And I'm, I'm so glad that, that they didn't have social media back in your day in the 20s and 30s or mine. You know, um, I, I, I think we would be in such trouble because I think, these, you know, that generation, that's all they do is look at me and see what I can do. It's not illegal, but as far as your boss and your career is concerned, you just committed career suicide. And, and I think he's going to get um, some suspension days, suspended days. Okay, and it, it brings me to Tim. You know, you hear it. Uh, what you know, Coach Ambrose, uh, Coach Bowden, and now what Prince has said about this, uh, the suspension, what, a year, uh, 30 games, 50 games, your, your thoughts on that? Wow. <laughs> I, I don't think they'll suspend him for an entire season. Um, but I think they have to suspend him for a lengthy period of time. Because uh, both Ambrose and, and Bowden are, are right on target with the fact that 
unless you set boundaries that you live by, that you really take very seriously, um, he's going to continue to do this kind of stuff. And the second chance was already given. I mean, it's not like they threw him to, under the bus as soon as he made one mistake. Um, the second chance was already given. And um, I feel bad for him, but he's got to grow up. The kid's got to grow up. And um, uh, it, it's time for some tough love now. And I, I, think they'll, I think they'll give him 30 to 60 days, um, something, something along those lines. Okay. Uh, Mr. President, should they bring in the locker room a seasoned veteran? Because the Grizzlies are awful young. And for Morant to be the leader of that group, uh, that's kind of telling me something about the Grizzlies. But like Tommy said, that, you know, he is the leader regardless if he likes it or not. But I think just from my perspective, I think they need a, a little senior leadership by somebody a little bit older. Your, your thoughts? I think that would have been a uh, a great idea in, in the beginning. You know, they've allowed this thing to go on now and um, and faster and grow, and you bring uh, a more senior player into the locker room while Morant's still been there. These guys are still looking at him, and as we all know, it's you know the whether however long they suspend him, and I think it should be significant. I agree with Coach Moore; they're still not going to hold him out for a whole season. It's got to be business as usual. I mean, those people want to win games, they want to make money, and all those different things. We all know that's going to happen, but uh, we've let they've let this thing go on too far. Yeah, there should have been. I mean, we're talking about professional sports here. There should have been a standard in place from the get-go. And you hold it, hold all your players accountable. I mean, we're, we're not talking about people that don't know what they're doing, running this, that run the program. It's a professional team, professional sport. There should be a standard in place. Here are the boundaries, and here are the consequences. That was not done. So, put it on to the players. Yeah, that that would be a nice thing to do. But to me, right now, we, we we've thrown the word leadership around here in this conversation. The leadership of that program of that team needs to step up and say, hey, guys, this is the standards. This is what how we want this team represented. He broke the rules. We tried to counsel him at first. He broke it again. Here are the consequences. And sometimes to be black and white. And I think that's the point we're at right now because until something significant is done, it's just going to keep happening over and over, and we're going to keep patting these guys on the wrist a little bit and then wondering why they do it again. Okay. Okay. I want I want to stay with you because then I want, you know, you guys to put on your coaching hat again and and tell me what are your thoughts now about the unlimited unofficial visits? The unlimited official visits? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Unlimited official visits. Okay. That new rule. Okay. Um, well, I, it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, I, 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 once again, I, we've had a couple topics on here before, and I, I kind of see both sides of it. Um, I know I see where a lot of people are saying it's great. It's going to give uh, these student athletes more opportunities um, to see schools, and, and, and I know that's important. That is a big part of it. Um, it's going to be interesting, though, 
to me, the more interesting question is how long is the university cap limits going to stay in place? <laughs> you know, yeah. with the FBS schools being held to 56 business, well, if you just went unlimited with the students, student-athletes, just a matter of time before they say, well, we are limited there too, because it seems to me like the NCAA is just kind of washing their hands with every topic, whether it be the unlimited business, the transfer portal, all these different things. Bottom line is they don't want to govern anymore. They don't want to do the hard, that hard work, and they're going to throw it on someone else and just, hey, you guys do what you want to do and kind of go from there. Now, um, I, like I said, I see the other side where you want to, get these kids more opportunities to go out and see schools, maybe schools they haven't seen. But I, I don't know. I, eventually, you're going to get into a cost issue, and we're going to end up right back where we were, where the haves have no problem with it. And the have-nots, well, you're in a tough situation. And the whole idea of leveling the playing field and recruiting, I mean, that, that's been thrown out the window a long time ago. So this just more signifies that that's the direction we're going in. Okay, uh, uh, Coach uh, Tim, your thoughts on that unlimited official visit? Um, well, first, first I misspoke just a moment ago when I said thirty days. I meant thirty games. But when we were talking about job, but uh, <laughs> in terms of the unlimited, um, in terms of the uh, unlimited um, um, thirty to sixty, I said uh, unlimited visits. I am sort of in favor of that and um it's for this reason um and maybe the maybe the genie's out of the bottle and uh the, you know it's sort of wild wild west now but i i feel like from from a young man's perspective who's coming out of high school and and uh you know, transfer portal is a whole different thing um you're talking about a life decision uh where you go to school um and i think giving them the opportunity to see as many schools and, and give consideration to as many schools as, as they would like to or have the opportunity to, I think is, is a good thing for the student athlete. Um, so I'm in favor of that. Okay. I, I'd like to bring Princess in. Princess, uh, attack this from uh, a parent's viewpoint. Un, unlimited official visit. So if I'm correct, unlimited official visits means um, Alabama can have me back on their dime every weekend of a home game um, in, 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 in football. or And then I could actually just plan out every weekend being somewhere on some school dime because that's how it is. Uh, an official visit, they bring you in and the family. Am I correct? Yeah. Official. Uh, no, no. Officially, they can still only do one time at each school. Okay. Oh, so you can only do one time yeah. at each school. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. Unless there's a coaching change. Uh, if there was a head coaching change, then you can get another one. But if there's no head coaching change, it's still you only get to do one official visit to each school. Yeah. Okay. I was, yeah, I was thinking she was talking to Eleven uh, about just opportunities just to keep going back to the game. I, yeah. I, would, I didn't well, think you were trying to yeah. – trying to, well, the, uh, And I guess what yeah, I'm getting at is that the rich get richer because there are those programs out there who can afford to now bring in unofficial, you know, at every game and not hit just every one. But I, 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 with 
venture to say as a parent that I'm in favor or of giving my student athlete or the athlete in my house an opportunity to take as many as you can, can and be exposed and understand what the campus and the city and the life looks like and maybe what that looks like to you. So, um, but then, I'm, you know, I'm worried a little bit too. Like um, Coach Linda Johnson said, the genie is already out of the bottle. There isn't much on um, policing that's being done. But on the surface as a parent, I, I would like to see that. Okay. Uh, Coach Ambrose, you know, you, you just hear what uh, Princess said. But I, I'm kind of thinking, too, as a as a parent and an athlete, man, you, you know, you everybody's going to show you a great time. How confused are we, as an athlete am I going to be? You go to all these different schools, but back to the point at hand, unlimited official visits. Hmm. How do we handle this? This is a this is a monster game changer, and I and I and I might have been more aligned with this if you got rid of the transfer portal because then you did all your work on the front end, so then you shouldn't have to transfer. So that, that's just one. But you, gotta, you have to change the entire structure of how you think about a football program. Imagine you own a business. Call it whatever you want. You're a restaurant. You have 12 employees. You have a seasonal, you have a seasonal way. They're all full-time employees, but you have a seasonal schedule. And now a third-party entity said that your seasonal schedule goes out the door, and you basically have to be available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every day of the year because that's the only way you can facilitate this. You're always open. So you just ended any personal life of any coach that ever uh, – they say we recruit 24 hours a day, seven days a week, anyhow. But truly, now you do it where you're hosting them for visits. And, and each institution budgets their recruiting budget appropriately based on the coaches' travel schedules and all this good stuff. But one of the higher percentage budget items is official visits because you're paying for travel for people – to come visit your institution. That's part of it. So now you have to pay everyone all the time to come to your school. And if you don't, and someone else does, this is the, the haves and the have-nots, the haves, the haves that have unlimited recruiting staff to make these people feel special and at home at each institution that they go visit versus the ones that only have 15 people that work on the staff total, and they're not going to do a bad job. They're going to sell their souls to be great at their job. So they're going to be ground to the dirt because they work at a place that doesn't have that level of financial support. I, I'm a parent too, and I believe in opportunities for kids. I, believe, I love the idea of opportunities, period. Part of what we do as coaches our entire life, provide opportunities for kids in ways that they never had before. However, I do not believe giving my children unlimited ideas for Christmas presents is a good idea. There needs to be a bit, some type of realistic boundary because we're going to find out in three years from now that some kid took 72 visits and he got paid on every one of them, right? And he's going to talk about how much money he made just going on visits. I agree with what Lyndon said. They're just, you know, the NCAA wants to you know, wipe their hands of all of this, but this is going to go back to life before the NCAA where the rich rich get whatever they want. So it's a challenge beyond challenges. I would say, and I would, I would go back to what I said when I very first started. 
if you're going to make unlimited visits, why do you need a transfer portal? If you have the transfer portal, why do you need unlimited visits? That's my thought. Okay. I want to, uh, Tommy, I want to come to you, uh, like, to answer that question, but also the interesting point that uh, Lyndon and Ambrose brought up was the NCA is washing their hands, so why why do we need them? Why do we need the official visits? No, no. We know about the official visits. Yeah. You're going to attack that point. But why the NCA is washing their hands, so what, what good is the NCA for the colleges? Because, like, well, that's we're, one of the major issues. Yeah, we, well, right now they're doing a good job of messing things up with the transfer portal, you know, and, and the uh, NIL. It, it shows they haven't had good vision. I don't, I don't know, know that they know they're messing it up. But but as far as the, the, the visits, you know, if you put on your head coaching hat, which is a, my first reaction to the question was the head coach. I'm the head coach at Clemson. I've got a great defensive tackle there in the city. Well, I don't want to take it. I'm, I'm calling in. I'm, you know, you've probably heard it from my father, uh, Dave. You know, Dad Gum, son, you don't need to go anywhere. Your, your mama wants you here. Your, your grandmother's right. not in good health. She can't travel. All the people that invested 17 years in you want you here. All they want to do is confuse you. That's all they want to do. Well, you don't want to do that to your family. Then all of a sudden you put your parent, I, man, other than getting married, it's the biggest decision you're going to make. Uh, so you need to accumulate as much information as you can. So I would be, as a parent, I would I would be in favor of un, un, unlimited visions. But, uh, you know, not everybody, uh, not every student athlete is fortunate enough to have a stable home environment where they can get good guidance and direction from uh, from a, from a parent or two parents. So uh, I, I look at two perspectives, and one is, man, no, if I got me a great one right there, don't you dare go get confused and start taking these visits. And unlimited really gets you confused. But as a parent, I, I think unlimited wouldn't be bad. I don't think it will ever be unlimited because uh, I, I believe the finances – NCAA end up being concerned about finances, and this is something that's going to cost more money. And with gender equity and Title IX and and dispersing monies, boy, you see the conference alignment now, and the Big Twelve, the Big Ten, and the and the uh, SEC, you know, reaping all this money in. And money's an issue, and unlimited uh, official visits is going to be a money money issue. Okay, I, I want to stay with you, Tom, because I want to the, the the next question we kind of test touched upon it, but what's the difference between uh, going to camp as a high school kid, going to a college camp versus some of the other camps on the outside of college camps? You know, from a coach perspective, you you want them on campus. If you, 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 it's hard to have a chance to sign them if you can't get them on campus. And, and what camps are doing now, at least, and they were starting to do this when I was get out of coaching, they're having those one-day camps. If I had a son, uh, I would get my son to go to the one-day camps, as many campuses as he could can. He has a little bit of an opportunity, even though it's 24 hours, to get around a get around the players, see the campus layout. Do I need a car? I'm not going to have a car. What's it like getting to these classes? You, they, they can they can attain a lot of information by going on campus. So I would encourage if it was my son to get on campus and and uh, and then try to learn as much as you can, even though it's only 24 hours. 
but the one-day camps, I can remember sitting in staff meetings and saying, okay, we've got to make this thing as cheap as we can. What's South Carolina charging? What's Georgia charging? What's Florida charging? What's Alabama charging for one-day camp? Make it competitive where the players can afford to come on campus for one day, and then you can try to do as great job of selling as you can in one day. But I would be in favor, uh, even if I was a son, I would have on campus as opposed to going off campus for camps. Okay, uh, Coach Johnson, your thoughts on that? Uh, I, I I agree with what he, what Coach just said. I mean, I think any chance to get an opportunity to get on campus, um, I think that's something you want to take advantage of. And the other part of it too is you get more eyes on you because when you go to some of those other camps that are off the campus, well, from whatever institution, there might be one coach, maybe two coaches there. So you only get two sets of eyes on you, and when you go to an on-campus uh, camp, every coach is going to see you. The whole coaching staff is going to see you. So when they, when we get into our recruiting meetings and we got to make decisions on on the board, well, which kids do we like? Which ones are we really going to go after? Who's our number one kid? Now there's nine, different, nine, ten different guys weighing in on that kid. Where if you only went to one of those off-site campuses, camps, well, only one or two coaches can actually speak about you in person. So I think it's an opportunity to get more of the coaching staff sets of eyes on you so more coaches are talking about you and can give an opinion about you in those closed-door meetings rather than going through those off-campus ones where only one or two coaches can say, hey, I actually saw him in person, I saw him do this drill or whatever. Well, those other six coaches went and saw some, they saw somebody else. And then here comes the kid who was on campus. Well, we all saw that kid, but we all know what he can do. So I think that's kind of – the difference in, in all those things. But I'll say this, going back to what we talked about before with unlimited official visits, I don't know if that's going to be as big a deal anymore because I can go to as many camp visits as I want and see the same thing. Instead of doing it in 24 hours, I'll get it in 48 hours, do as many visits as I want, see as many campuses as I want now. So it might be, that might be a little bit different. That might have a little play in how those camp situations will work out in the future. Okay. Uh, same thing, Coach Ambrose, because uh, – you know, you got a lot of these off off campus camps are uh, giving these are uh, rating these kids. So, you know, how much validity does that have with uh you know, the decisions you guys wanna make in a staff meeting? From a head coach's perspective, that third party camp, you know, the evaluation of some other third party person it's got nothing to do with whether or not I can put food on my table by winning enough ball games and take care of these kids the right way. I don't really care. Unless the guy working at that camp is a buddy of mine and he's giving me some version of evaluation. But in in the bigger perspective, you know, those 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 third parties can't think they're, I don't know, they're combines, I guess. They're versions of combines that, I don't know. People make a whole lot of money off of them. I can tell you that. I, I agree with Coach. You know, we how cheap can we make it? How many of these kids that were interested can we get on campus? Because, to be honest, there is no – in the recruiting process, there is no substitution for the real. There isn't. You can hide behind a text. You can hide behind emails. You can, you, you can hide behind FaceTimes, people in the house. There's all kinds of stuff. But when you get a kid, when you get a kid that you're interested in and he's interested in your institution and you get him on your campus so he feels the grass underneath him, he sees what he sees, he sees his position coach. He gets taught by his position coach, or who could be. And all of a sudden, there can be a relationship developed, or at least that you know 
who they are for real. Because once we get the football stuff going, you can throw the fake away. You, you, you can't hide once we get on the field. So it's a great opportunity for a student athlete. And I would encourage my kids to go to as many one-day camps like Coach said as humanly possible, as, <clears throat> with the exception of the concept that there's some degree of mutual interest. There's too many of these kids that are going to Texas A&M's camp because it's Texas A&M camp, and they're never going to get recruited by those people. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of money. And, and, and Connie, it really tears at the kid's fabric a little bit. It's some lying that went along with that. His coach and his family need to make sure that he goes to as many one-day camps as possible, that there is legitimate mutual interest. So he can find out the vibe of his assistant coach that could be, and he's going he's gonna to get to see the staff. How do they interact? How do they interact with each other? How do they interact with all these kids? How, who are they? He's going to see this, and there is no better evaluation than that. And to be honest, when, from, I can tell my guys, and I told the players this when they came to camp, you're being evaluated from the time you get out of your car. We get to see how you talk to your mom. How, how, how do you talk to the, the guy who's selling the Gatorades? Did, I don't care if you didn't get taught this in high school. This guy's teaching it to you today. Can you learn it? Can you be taught? Can you be coached? And from the kid's perspective, can that guy teach me? Am I hearing him? Does he vibe with me? I think the on-campus, one-day recruiting thing, camp thing, I, I think it's one of the greatest things that you could possibly do. And Lyndon is exactly right. Unofficial, unlimited unofficial visits, throw all that out the door. Okay. Uh, Precious, again, we, we, we need you to attack it as a parent, you know. Uh, are you taking them to on-campus or off-campus? You know, in listening to the coaches, well, of course, I, I want to go on campus at these different camps, too, because I want to see everything. I, I want to see how the coaches are interacting with um, not only my um, particular athlete, but, but everybody else, and how he's interacting with his staff and the, and, and the other coaches, and um, how organized is it, you know? Um, and I think it was Coach Ambrose that said there's nothing that beats in person, um, and that is so true on so many levels for the parent, the, the, the athlete, and the coaches. So um, in all of these other camps, you know, uh, and, and we didn't even get into seven-on-seven, seven, but all the other camps where, you know, you can come and get rated in, you know, three-star, four-star, five-star, I think that really has played out. You want to get um, to some of the campuses and understand what your options are. And I think it was also – Coach Ambrose, if I'm not mistaken, has said, you know, why go to some of these schools where they're not even interacting with you? You're just going because they say you went. And I was on campus at Texas A&M for Florida, Georgia, Alabama. Go where you're being recruited. Don't just go just to say you went. Okay. Uh, I like how you slid Florida in there, but, Tim, anyway. Tommy Bowden did. I was just copying Tommy yeah. Bowden. That's all. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right, Tim. You saw. You heard that. But anyway, uh, you're well, you know, doing that, Tim. Go yeah, ahead. I, I I don't. I quite honestly, I don't have any really strong opinions on. It. I was listening to the coaches, and and I would defer to their judgment on this because they're the ones yeah. who are making the decisions on uh, uh, on whether they're going to offer a kid a scholarship or not to come to their school. Um, the only thing I would say you know, about that. And, I, and like I said, I don't have any real strong um, opinions myself about it is that I've heard uh, people talk about going to third party camps uh, 
make sure that there are college coaches there um, as observers uh, if they're not running the camp. Uh, because if you're just going uh, to what I heard one of the coaches call it a combine-type situation where you've got guys who are completely unconnected with um, with any universities and they're not college coaches there watching, um, you just put money in their pocket. But if they're uh, – I think if the camps have coaches there that are uh, evaluating the kids, then that, that, that has some merit. Okay, and Tim, I want to stay with you because, you know, now they're talking about, you know, what about the 33 evaluation days starting from September to November and just designated coaches to be off campus to evaluate these student-athletes? Well, I again, again, I would defer to the coaches on that one. That's a little bit out of my depth uh, there. Okay. All right. Uh, I want to uh, – Coach Ambrose? Uh, the thirty days of the fall, in the fall, I, you know, this is a this is a new tack to create some degree of efficiency, I suppose. I but I find it kind of interesting that they want to they want to keep a microscope over the coaches' movements in that period of time, but yet you're going to let you're going to open the gates and let everybody run rampant on your campus. I don't quite understand the concept behind that in creating the boundaries for the coaches and not so much for the kids. Uh, as far as the recruiting calendar goes, to be honest, uh, if you if you put it on a on a spinning wheel and you, you see it a bar and you just spun it between the between the transfer portal and unlimited visits and taking this back a year, making it a little bit younger, and letting these kids start this whole process a year earlier. Um, the evaluation of what the recruiting schedule is, the appropriateness of both logistically and intelligently, uh, I don't think that's going to shake out for another couple of years. With it, like, everything's upside down now. If you told us five years ago as coaches that this was going to be our calendar year, we'd all told you you were nuts, except it is. So I guess we'll figure it out on the back end. Okay, uh, Tommy, same question. You know, David, when I saw the question, I, I kind of it, it kind of looked like you might have meant, or uh, is, uh, tell me, correct me if I'm wrong, that you know, if I'm not mistaken, only your full-time coaches can go on the road to recruit. And I thought the the question said designated recruiters. And if and, and if you're that, talking and, about, and, yeah, and that's what it said, uh, Tommy. I pulled it right from what they yeah. what they wrote. Yeah. Well, if, if if they were to let designated recruiters, that means not you know not your full time coaches. Man, I tell you what, that that'd be great for full time coaches because they don't get any time at home anyway. It would really free them up. But if if that phrase was was paraphrased or meant, okay, your nine full time coaches, we can supplement and let somebody else go out on the road. Man, I I tell you what. I, I had some guys, you know, uh, uh, Billy Napier, when he worked for me, was a great recruiter. Davo Sweeney, a great recruiter. A guy named Burton Burns was a great recruiter. Brad Scott, a recruiter for my father for 14, was a great recruiter. I'd go get me some uh, mercenaries, not the right term, <laughs> but go get me some guys who could recruit and put them, let them be my designated recruiters if they're going to give me five. Boy, and let them go on the road 
man, it would I, I, that 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 really would be the wild west. And I didn't know when it said designated recruiters. I didn't know if it meant the nine full time that are are the designated going out for thirty days or and and a designated recruiter only. But uh, I think more limits that you can put on recruiting, the better it is for college football. Uh, especially the, the livelihood for a college football coach the way it is now with uh, the uh, kind of wild, wild west with the transfer portal, NIL, and, and recruiting rules as they are. I, I'd be for limiting the amount of time that coaches go on the road. But, well, if you're talking about designated guys, putting them out there, it, it would be a whole new ball game. Okay, uh, and and we're going to follow up on that the next time we have the show. I'm going to send that question to uh, Alexis and let him make sure he looks that up for us. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, So, Jonathan, the same question. You know, we're talking about 33 days of evaluation, uh, designated coach or coaches. Well, uh, first of all, uh, Coach Bob, I, I love that uh, the mercenaries term. That is awesome. I think that's what we got to change that whole thing. Forget about recruiters and call them mercenaries. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I, did, I didn't mean to but, reflect uh, poorly on Dab, Dabo and Billy Napier. I didn't re- mean to reflect badly on them. <laughs> they are productive. That's awesome. <laughs> but uh, I tell you what, first of all, and I agree with Coach Bob with the point where if you're restricting – uh, or not restricting, but kind of cutting down on the amount of time that coaches have to be on the road and be able to designate some other guys. That part of it, I'm totally with. I'm totally for. Uh, the part that's kind of scaring me a little bit, and, and once again, I think all of this ties into how this um, this interview first started when we talked about boundaries. Here we are. We've got the transfer portal, and now we're going unlimited official visits, and we're going to cut down the amount of time the coaches can be off the road. So now we're bringing more kids on our campus that I know less about. Because if you're cutting down on my time that I'm going recruiting in the fall, that means I know less about these kids when I bring them on official visits. And we're bringing them on our campuses to interact with our students that are already on campus. And I know even less about them now. I just get really nervous. Because we were we were hearing all these things like what's going on with John Morant and and guys that are put in situations that they maybe they might not should have been put in, and now you're gonna do that and raise the number of people I'm bringing on campus, but you're cutting down my opportunities to forge a relationship with those guys. So the chances of me bringing someone on that campus that probably should not be in that situation, those chances have gone up drastically now. And now there's chances, opportunities for things to kind of little get a little bit out of control. So that part of it scares me. Okay, I want to come to Princess with the next question because Princess, I, I want to know, you, you know, you were a volleyball player and stuff. How would you have felt with the unlimited calls? Wow. Um, well. Duck, I think I probably would have loved it. I wasn't highly recruited. <laughs> so I, I would have loved um, probably more calls. But I think that at some point, um, I've heard every recruit say this, is it gets overwhelming. And, and it gets to a point where um, it's not manageable or it becomes a, a full-time job 
a part-time job to these um, to these athletes. So to me, if I'm reflecting on 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 you know my recruiting time, I, I think I would have accepted it and really welcomed it in the beginning. But um, eventually, I think all that plays out of unlimited calls, unlimited text messages, unlimited contact. I think that plays out in um, – I'm like Coach Bowden. You're confusing the situation here. You know, your parents love it here. You love it here. You're close to home. I think it becomes confusing at some point. And, again, a shout-out to Coach Bowden. He said Billy Napier twice and go Gators several times. So. <laughs> I just hope the NCAA gets that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Tim, same thing, being recruited. Uh, just unlimited calls. Uh, you know, I was thinking when you asked that question um, about the the ladies that were on last night uh, on the Mother's Day show were talking about how their sons had gone into the transfer portal, and the one mentioned that they were really unprepared for the onslaught of phone calls that they got once their son had left Ohio State and uh, was going to another school. Um, I don't know if I like that, though. Um, you know, I I like the access and the information, um, you know, to, to have that as a guide. Um, I think more information is, is usually good. But I also know that there's no such thing as perfect information, and at some point you have to make a decision. So um, I, I'm not sure if I want my phone ringing off the hook all day, every day, um, with uh, with recruiting. Okay. Uh, I want to come back to you, uh, Coach Ambrose. Unlimited calls. Unlimited calls. Well, I'm going to go back to I'm gonna follow this train all the way back to Coach Bowden because I went to visit him <laughs> as an assistant coach when Dava was there, when Billy was there. <clears throat> Actually, we recruited Ford, and I watched him run by everybody in the ACC. We couldn't take him. <laughs> uh, I mean, isn't it isn't it that way anyhow now? <laughs> What's the difference? <laughs> like, uh, like you, you want to call it a phone call, you want to call it a FaceTime, you want to call it a text. A DM, it's 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 all the time. Now from and and I agree from the parents' perspective. I want I would like to obtain as much information as humanly possible, so I can help my kid make the best decision humanly possible. But from the coach's perspective, we have to be extremely careful of the people that want information versus the ones that want attention. And and there's there's the ones that want to be recruited, <clears throat> there's the ones that want to go to go to go to college, get a degree, play football, and see where this can take them, and then there's a whole bunch of them that really just enjoy people paying attention to them, and eventually that's going to change when they have to go compete at a higher level, and figuring that out from our perspective as a coach's perspective, and create in finding a way to create good relationships with the kids, but make sure that we bring in the kids that want to achieve not the ones that just want to be told how good they are. Okay. Uh, Coach Johnson. Uh, yeah, well, like, you know, Coach Ambrose, first of all, it, I don't see why we have to make this rule change. It was it was already happening anyway. I mean, if you want to talk to a kid, you hit him on Twitter or whatever and say, hey, call me. 
and those things were happening every day anyway. Um, but to make it now official that it's legal, I mean, come on. So now I can call a kid ten times a day every day if I want, and it's never going to stop for these kids. And like like Rob's just said, you do have those kids that that's all they want is the attention. They just want, and then now you're going to have to work out how to sift through that and. Uh, I just think it's we're just opening Pandora's box here. And once again, like I said it earlier, if the NCA not a they don't have to monitor phone calls, they don't have to monitor official visits. What the heck are they doing? What are they monitoring? <laughs> I mean, I mean, they're screwing everything else up. I mean, what are we? What are they doing now? Because everything's unlimited, and we're all just doing whatever we want. But I don't see the need for this rule change. I, I, I'm with everything else. You know, I, I understand the unlimited official visits. It's to get by gathering information, but unlimited phone calls, I, I, I don't get it. I don't see the necessity for it. Just, there's certain things, even though it may be happening, but once you legalize it, it becomes a whole other world. It's no different than, you know, marijuana. When it was, everybody was doing it 10 years ago, but now that it's legal, it's a little crazy. I can't even get through D.C. sometimes without being able to pull over the side of the road and clean my head so I can drive. Yeah, you know, I, I think it, it, it's happening. Unfortunately, it's happening right now. It's just a, it's a, it looks like the NCAA has found a way to make things more confusing or, or more difficult, and they, they seem to be really good at that. But uh, I, with all the different social media types, between like say Twitter and Twitter and FaceTime and DM and all those different ways, it's it's practically unlimited as as it is. And with the cell phone, you know, really in the last 15 years, I say maybe 20 years being more of a factor in making it uh, easier for players to to call coaches at all times of the night. You know, that's what it is. I I don't. I, I, it seems to be. Uh, I don't know why they would even approach this. Uh, it's an, it's another rule and regulation. It's going to be hard to monitor. So, uh, but uh, I think you're getting unlimited phone calls now to a certain extent. So I don't know why they even had to bring this up. Okay, I want to stay with you, Tommy, because this is always the big question. Even when I go to college campus, and I even go, you know, when we do our unsigned underclassmen showcase. Uh, why do they have the O line and D line running the forty? And how often <laughs> do they run a forty? I'm just, I'm just kind of throwing it out, playing devil advocate. That's, yeah, was it? Was it? Uh, I forget the coach with Coach Earl Campbell when I asked him why he didn't have to run a mile. They said we don't have a play where he has to run a mile. You know, I don't know why they even have to have a forty yard dash for offensive. Like I said, it's a, it's. I guess it's the same reason back when we were playing, you know, it's a bench press. How many, how much can you bench press? How many times can you do it? <laughs> I guess that's, that's one of those things that's just kind of a un, unwritten code. You've got to run a 40. But there really is. It's it's the lateral movement. It's the quick quick burst, the hand explosion, the bending the hips. Things like that are important for offensive linemen, that uh, 40-yard dash. But uh, I guess you know when you're when you're at the NFL level, when you're trying to invest a lot of money in a first-round pick, thousands and millions of dollars, you want as many as much data accumulated as possible. And that's just a normal another form of data. But uh, for an offensive lineman, I don't see any any reason uh, that I can think of, uh, even though. Uh, 
for 12 years as a head coach. I timed every one. I timed every one of them, and, and them guys and them guys loved it too because I'd fudge down. It didn't make any difference. A guy ran a five seven. I told him it's a five three. Great job. Strength coach is doing a good work for me. All right, Coach Ambrose, your thoughts. <laughs> I don't know. Doc, you keep coming back to this. Like, I, it, like, were you an O lineman in a former life that had to run a forty? And just really, really upset about it. I, I mean, you know, I thought about it. in in reality. If, if we just take away anything that ever happened in history, in reality, and you're just judging them by what they do, is this a necessary measurable item? Not really. However, every if you and I, and I say that in reference to the offensive line. Not the defensive line. I'm looking at, I think we would all need to know what, what that big boy can do chasing the ball. And that's important. We need to know that. But as an offensive lineman, you know, what happens between yard 12 and 40? I'm not, do we care? I just think nobody high enough in, in power is going, you know what, guys, this is stupid and we don't need this and let's just move on from here. But the only the only arguable point is every other position gets evaluated that way, and I think there could be a, you know there's a lot of stuff that goes on in the trenches between the offensive line and the defensive line, whether it be versus a team that you're playing or your own team in practice. And somehow, some way, there's a defensive lineman out there that's got that personality that's going to ride those boys forever if we didn't make them run 40s, no matter what that time was. So, uh, is it is it is it necessary? For us to succeed, no, not at all, not at all. Just somebody has to stand up and say, okay, we're not doing this anymore. <laughs> okay, Coach Johnson? <laughs> well, first of all, you know, being an old offensive lineman, we should never be running 40 yards. <laughs> not unless you have a little water squirt thing every five yards, then I'm with it. But uh, <laughs> but uh, I tell you what, though, on a serious note, from all my years of, working camps and combines and all that with the offensive linemen, I have never really cared what their 40 time was. What I, the only thing I, I got out of it is a sense of athleticism. I just watched their body movement, their body control for 40 yards. You know, how, 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 do, how is it flopping all over the place? Are they losing control? Are they falling across the 40-yard line mark or whatever it is? But I, that's the only thing I got out of it is from evaluating linemen running a 40. I could care less if they ran a 6.5 or a 5.5. Five. What was important to me was just to watch them from an athletic standpoint and see their body control. If I got anything at all out of it, that's all I got out of it. Okay, and, and Tommy brought up something interesting. And, and Tim, uh, Tim was at the last – assigned underclass for showcase and we ran the kids in the O-line and D-line in the uh, 10 and the 20. Uh, your, your thoughts on that, Tim? I think that's more um, you know in tune with what they might do during a, during an actual scrimmage. Um, you know, the, your, your lineman may may run downfield on a on a on a play, um, you know, a sweep or something like that, or pulling guard or something like that. Um, you, they may run ten, twenty yards, but not a forty. So uh, I thought it, you know, from I think one of the coaches said uh, from a for quickness and athleticism, it might have been uh, uh, Coach Johnson. Um, I think it's valuable from that perspective. Um, 
but the 40 doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Okay. I, I want to stay with you, uh, Tim, but I'm going to start with Princess first because I want to say, Princess, do you like the NFL moving the draft from city to city? Duck, I, I absolutely love that. Um, and the fact that, you know, they move it to the city where, of course, there's an NFL franchise, that that makes really good sense to me. And to see how um, the fans have turned out for it. Um, the one, I think it was in Nashville, was just outstanding. And to see how the cities prepare for it. Um, and, um, and and it's well received. I, I love that it's moving from city to city. Um, and, it, and it gives the opportunity for the layman's fans just to be a part of something and to, to see a lot of dreams come true. But, yes. I, that that makes a lot of sense to me, and I love that they moved it to you know prime time Thursday night and Friday night, and then all day Saturday. I, I love how the NFL has done that and made themselves relevant the entire year. Okay, uh, Tim. Yeah, I I, uh, I would agree with Princess. Uh, I like it as well, um, I, and you know I, I come, having grown up in a small town. Um, I'm not one of those people who believes that the world revolves around um, uh, major markets, although it does. Um, <laughs> when I uh, when I uh, was opening the um, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as the communications director several years ago up in Cleveland, um, we were really pushed um, because New York, obviously Chicago and L.A. are the big media markets in the United States, and Washington D.C. Uh, closely behind. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of sentiment that we should be doing whatever we're doing in uh, one of those markets. Well, I, I was of the opinion that, you know, with the changes in uh, social media and those kinds of things, um, you know, you can, if you put the effort in, uh, make it work uh, in whatever market you're in if, you, if you're willing to, to, to dedicate yourself to it. And I think what the NFL is showing with their 32 um, uh, cities is that um, you know a city like Kansas City, which is by no means anywhere near the size of some of the others, um, uh, can can host an event like this successfully and get the kind of national attention and, and buzz and and, uh, and and feel good for the city um, that you get uh, in a lot of other uh, major markets. And in, quite honestly. When you have events like that in a city like uh, New York, Las Vegas, places like that that are that are just there's a lot of noise going on all the time, it's hard to get attention um, outside your niche anyway. Um, and so I, I really like the idea that they're involving other cities, that they're empowering fans from around the the country and around the league uh, in a way that uh, that makes them feel uh, good about their particular franchise. Okay, I want to uh, come to you, uh, Coach Johnson. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's a great thing. I think it's a great idea. Um, it's giving it the not that they need it, but the, the NFL more exposure and and giving chance for fans who who normally might not be able to participate in the, the draft atmosphere. Because I mean, when it was in New York City every year, I mean, how many people can get New York City from? Whatever, whatever the country, part of the state they were in, or wherever France, their franchise was. Now every year you're going to get a completely different uh, group and uh, uh, of fans 
that are going to be there and showcase their love for their team who normally would not have anything to do with draft night because they, they don't have the ability to get to a New York, to a Las Vegas. So when I think you move around like that, there's just so many other people you're bringing into it that normally would not have that access or that platform uh, to get there and showcase their love for the game, their love for their team. And I, I just think it's a good thing. I think it's good for everybody all the way around. And uh, it was great to see Kansas City do a great job with this past year. And I think it's, it's, it's probably one of the better moves the NFL has made in a long time. Okay, uh, uh, Coach Ambrose. Love it. It's awesome. It's a tremendous reward for the fans uh, to be able to uh, – I think it should, you know, uh, if it is, if it isn't, it should be, align with the winner of the Super Bowl and let, those fan, let that close fan base celebrate that. I think that's uh, amazing. It's been in New York forever, and I think people are a little tired of that. They go on regional. Every city every city's big enough to host to hold one of these teams to be a financially viable aspect of their region, they should be celebrated. They should allow it. They don't have to go to New York for this. It's a great thing for the league. It's a great thing for the game moving forward. Okay, uh, Tommy, bring it bring it home forward. Yeah, you know, I think I think two things. Number one, you you're gonna get a chance to, to get a little creative competition between cities. Uh, New Orleans is gonna try to outdo Chicago. The next year, Chicago's Cleveland's gonna try to outdo Chicago. Philadelphia outdo Cleveland. You're gonna get some great marketing ideas, and I think you're gonna see this thing really grow and in some friendly competition where they try to outdo each other. So I think it's just a, a great chance to explore some different avenues and marketing on, on that on on draft day. So I, I think that's good. And then somebody mentioned the fact that you get to, each fan base gets to experience the draft. Jacksonville gets to experience Tampa Bay, Kansas City, San Francisco. So uh, I think the ability to yeah. allow the different fan bases to experience draft day, it's it's a win-win uh, if they do it, and uh, I think it's a great idea. Okay. Uh, guys, just so you know, I did petition the NFL for West Virginia. All right, Prince. <laughs> for what? <laughs> for what? He's <laughs> bringing the market down. <laughs> Prince, you don't even know what he's saying, man. Which, which, of the, hey, which of the two hotels are going to stay at? Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Tommy Bowden has been my favorite all night. Thank you, Coach. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> All right, gentlemen, thank you. This has been really good. I appreciate you, Coach Ambrose, Coach Johnson, Coach Bowden, um, and, you know, Duck Riley and Tim Ward. This has been pretty good. Thank you so much for being on tonight. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Thanks. All right, Duck and go Gators, Duck. We'll see you next time. Never had it so good. <laughs> Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.